which is not going to be easy because Beth has the charisma of a traffic cone. Welcome back to Witch Fix and to another episode of What Did I Just Watch? Um, <laughs> to be fair, uh, for everything that I'm about to say about it, I quite enjoyed this film. I, I don't know that I enjoyed it for the right reasons, but there we go. Oh no, the computer's frozen. Great. Hopefully now that my computer is done trying to upload Steam and Origin and an MSN news bulletin and open Windows Internet Explorer and a whole host of other things that I didn't ask it to do. What I asked it to do was record audio, but it decided to prioritise everything over that. We can get into the movie. I'm not salty about it. It's fine. So this is a 2020 movie and uh, on the cover it says reminiscent of the Vampire Diaries and then on the back cover it says reminiscent of TV's Charmed but both from different publications slash blogs or whatever. So it's definitely reminiscent of a lot of things. The blurb on the back of the box is mostly, I would say, pretty dead on. Uh, it says, Five young witches come together to perform a ritual to invoke the ancient powers of the witch Ashura. The leader of the coven gets carried away and accidentally kills one of the witches. She needs the strength of a complete coven to invoke Ashura's powers and send them out to find a final witch. As she absorbs power of the surviving girls, plot to take her down, but the possessed witch unleashes hell on campus with only one young witch left to stop her. A couple of details in there are kind of not in the movie, but... Uh, <laughs> We'll go with it. Like that, that, That's mostly the plot. Sure. This movie is a, a certificate 15. It's 81 minutes long. And I'm going to trigger warn at the top for self-harm, homophobia, mentions of drugging and allusions to rape. So going in, I was quite hopeful. I love a High Flyers movie. I feel like we've had some good and some iffy experiences. But for the most part, if, if it's got High Flyers on it, it's usually, you know, at least watchable. So this was pretty good. The, the pictures on the box are actually from the film, which always helps. And they look pretty cool. There's a lot of, like, pentacles and fire and probably going to be an okay film. And it was, for the most part, okay. I will say right at the top that the soundtrack did not need to go as hard as it did. I don't know if the kids still say this shit slaps, but it, it definitely slapped. It was pretty good. It was definitely one of my favourite soundtracks to one of these relatively unknown movies that I've looked at, so it gets a point for that. We start off the first scene of the film with a group of women in lingerie and thigh-high boots going into an abandoned building carrying lanterns. We start as we mean to go on. They're, like, getting around into a circle. They're getting ready to, I guess, do some sort of ritual. And then we zoom in on one of them and cut back to uh, i'm assuming an earlier point in time where she's arriving at a college dorm with a six pack of beer she's welcomed in by you know a various other women with smoky eyes and black clothing um we're first introduced to ronnie who is kind of our nancy of of the group um I'm not that keen on Ronnie's acting, I will say that. But she instantly gets pissed off at Christy, who is the, the girl we're sort of in the perspective of, for not bringing, I think she said a rat, but there were no subtitles and I couldn't rewind. So 
there we go she goes off on her about not taking this seriously this i'm assuming being witchcraft and then a blonde haired witch who is later revealed to be called Jax, just offers to kill her um she and ronnie are kind of an item this was a bit full-on and i will say that like i found Jax to be Jax and ronnie to be very full-on in, in just their kind of like evil acting um but there we go uh then there's this slightly slutty drunken stoner witch who's called taylor um and beth who seems kind of needy and a bit nerdy and nervous so um these are the, the four witches that we've been introduced to aside from christy we're then back to the ritual um oh in the opening scene they also have like the grimoire of the of the green witch which is a book that i had i can't remember if i reviewed it or not but um I, i've definitely read before and it does it's, it's not really like the evil magic that these guys are into but there we go um we're back in the ritual they talk about the goddess witch ashura they're not 100 percent sure if she's a goddess or a witch but um i think she was just a regular person and that she's been bound and that she needs unbinding by five witches working together that ronnie is a descendant of ashura and that everyone else uh, in the coven is a descendant of someone from Ashura's coven. So we've got Christy, who's the element of water, Jax, who's the element of fire, Taylor, who's the element of air, and Beth, who is the element of wood. <laughs> they, they call her Earth later on, but everyone is like, I invoke the element of water, I invoke the element of fire, and she's just like, I call on the powers of wood. <laughs> She, she's not bringing a lot to the table but she is bringing what the table is made of they then go around to do a blood sacrifice um as part of the summoning of ashura or whatever it is they're trying to do it's poorly defined uh this is like a, a nick on the chest so ronnie goes around and like cuts everybody's chest um and then when she gets to christy she's just like chant louder christy and christy's like oh, okay i'll chant louder and then ronnie just stabs her to death on the ground like she like cuts her and then cuts her again and then cuts her some more and then pushes her on the ground and like stabs her a bunch and it looks super fake and christy's not like screaming like you would if you were being stabbed she's just going like oh as if you were being mildly inconvenienced jack seems really into the murder and everyone else just seems to just not be registering that a murder is happening except for beth who looks mildly put out so they've killed her and then ronnie gets up with like blood all over her hands she's like oh now we need a fifth witch and it's like yeah we only need a fifth witch because you killed christy F for no real reason like we're not really given a reason for this they mentioned something later on which i'll get to but from my point of view i was like so why did you kill her then you idiot then we get some opening credits with some occult stuff you can buy on amazon and people suiting up in leather belts as clothing uh make of that what you will we then land into the dream sequence of our new main character since christy you know is dead they just left her body on that vacant lot as well it's unclear if the she ever gets discovered but the cops don't really like come around asking questions so they just got away with that incredibly bloody murder we're in the head of sophie who is different to all the other characters because she has red hair and she's wearing a white dress in a meadow and she's calling out for her mum, but in like a slow motion. So she like reaches out her hand and then goes, Mom! They replayed this four times throughout the movie and it never stops being funny. I would say it gets funnier each time they do it actually, but she calls out for her mom um, and then bites into an apple, but it's full of bugs. And then she wakes up and she's with this psychic who works out of a witchy store. 
and I guess also owns the store, but her name is Emily. Um, they're trying to contact Sophie's mother, and this is the first day that they've managed to get through. That's all we really get on that. We then go back to Beth, who is doing a little bit of research in the library, and she has a little flashback to Christie's death and seems shocked or, like, again, mildly upset, like she's just remembered something embarrassing she did in third grade. But she's going through a big book, and then she goes, oh, Eureka! And phones Taylor. Taylor's making out with her boyfriend, uh, because... I guess she's like the extra slutty one. I don't know, like, that just seems to be her personality. That she has a boyfriend who is mysteriously present at quite a lot of their evil meetings. Like, Tristan, I've just made up a name for him. Is your band not practising somewhere? Go be with them. But anywho, um, she meets up with Taylor and they decide to do uh, a spell to try and find their fifth member. And they need someone who is descended from the, the correct bloodline like in the original coven it's super poorly explained and we never really find out who sophie is meant to be descended from or like a lot of stuff i mean she does play one of the characters in a flashback so i guess you can kind of infer from that but like was christy christy said she was descended from someone why didn't christy work i'm confused anywho they do a spell in the gazebo at the center of can uh, campus in broad daylight and in front of taylor's boyfriend tristan um to like summon the fifth and the spell causes like a whoosh which makes sophie who's like five feet away drop her books they couldn't find her she lives on the same floor as two of the other people these guys are terrible at their jobs anywho beth instantly tries to befriend sophie sophie's not having it she's just like no i want to study in my room alone without you go away <laughs> I respect Sophie for wanting to avoid social interaction this much. Uh, and she shuts her door and turns off her lights with magic, notably without saying anything or like gesturing or anything. This is wildly inconsistent later, so I'm, I'm just going to bring it up. Uh, Ronnie then drives her like vintage sexy convertible car into a warehouse, which has like a living room set up right in the middle of it. And these sort of long chiffon hangings coming right down from the ceiling. It looks cool and like again like the location setup of this whole movie is really good i mean it's kind of pointlessly cool um like in the craft when you think about like when they were hanging out that one time on just that random like sofa cushion that they found in the dark park that they ran through on their way back to sarah's house it's not set up to be cool it's just kind of like grungy and there whereas this looks like someone set up a music video and it's like which one of them climbed all the way up there to hang these hangings or did they put them there with magic but yeah the the, the general sort of settings co um costume design all of that's quite good like the production values are pretty good they're trying to get taylor to read this like ancient text which has like four lines scribbled in sharpie on each page i don't know why taylor's reading it because with all due respect she's not the smart one and she's really struggling and ronnie decides to just start being a badass for no reason and ices her which makes her like covered in like whitish blue body paint and glitter like she's playing jack frost in a sort of children's pantomime uh, jacks delivers the immortal line want an iced frap you basic ass bitch jacks is hilarious in all the wrong ways all of her lines are just so awful and I, i've written quite a lot of them down um and then she's like oh ronnie you have to let her go she ain't nothing but a thought 
Oh, someone used Urban Dictionary. Um, they also say fuck like 180 times. They drop more F-bombs than like if it was the last day of the fuck war in fuck Europe. Anyway, Beth eventually arrives to tell them that she's found their fifth and they need to get a piece of her to like do a test to make sure that she's actually like the right bloodline or the right person. We then cut to Sophie in the shower. Um, she's singing and then she pulls back the curtain and Ronnie's there who like scratches her face with a sharp fingernail. Um, <laughs> but then Jax just straight off like hacks off a chunk of her hair with a knife. <laughs> it's like, why did you do both? This is silly. Then Ronnie throws a CGI black magic snake at her and Sophie does some random magic that I'm not even sure what it does and then runs away to talk to Emily at the witch shop. <laughs> and then Emily says like, oh no, they took your hair. There are terrible smells that call for something personal. And Sophie's like, I don't love that. <laughs> and it's like, I don't love that for you either. Um, they try and contact Sophie's mum again for answers because they're like, we got through today and now the witches are after you. This can't be a coincidence. It's never really confirmed or denied if it is a coincidence or not, but there we go. Um, th they go back into the weird visiony place and her mum is now holding like the dirty and bloody Christy and she gives her a hug and then Christy disappears. And then Sophie realises she's late for a midterm and just books it to college. Um, she rushes in, makes sexy eyes at James, the TA, and then does the exam and he's kind of into her and he's now the love interest. The witches do another spell of just wide out in the open, this time in a dive bar, uh, to test Sophie's hair. And this isn't just like pointing at the hair and saying some words. They've got like a whole little kit of like alchemy supplies that they just break out in this bar. It's great. Um, it turns out Ronnie won't let anyone read her special magic book, so she's definitely hiding something. And then she starts making out with Jax, and some random homophobic guy comes up to them like, that's disgusting, just so they can be like, Screw you, old man. Which I found funny for two reasons. Uh, so the first is that he calls Ronnie Butch, and the only thing Butch about Ronnie is that she's, like, incredibly aggressive. Like, she's just as, like, made up as everybody else. She looks exactly as femme as everyone else there. And also, this guy has come up to them and has been like, hot lesbians making out in my bar? No, I will not stand for this. Because I feel like if he just sleezed on them and watched, like, you know, 99% of people would, then he'd be directly calling out the intended audience of this movie, which is just here to watch girls make out with each other and be topless. So he has to be a gross homophobe, because otherwise, you know, they're just kind of judging their own audience. I realise that audience is me because I watch the film, but that's not why I watch the movie. I'm here for the witches, guys. Anywho, they don't fuck this guy up for whatever reason, I guess so that they can fuck him up later. And they task Beth with bringing Sophie in, which is not going to be easy because Beth has the charisma of a traffic cone. Sophie goes to meet Professor Lynn, who's her history professor. She admits that she loves history because she's just so quirky. Um, <laughs> be very judgmental of Sophie, but you know. And it turns out their town was founded by a Mr. Calvert, whose wife and daughter were supposedly witches. And Dr. Lynn's professor was, like, obsessed with finding the body of Civil Calvert because he thought that there was magic in her bones, and none of this is relevant. But they found the da uh, daughter Helen's journal, which the professor now has, like, copies of, and this is relevant later. Because 200 years ago, almost to the very day, something very similar happened, like a meteor shower that has just happened, and 
basically they were doing the same ritual that the girls are now trying to do in the present. Back at the weird garage of music video setup, the hangings I swear have changed colour because earlier they were like sort of pink and gauzy and now they're like black and grey. But anywho, it's now time for a weird lacklustre PG-13 sex scene. Um, Ronnie then says to Jax, like afterwards, that she had expected Beth to work out their plan by now and talks about the ascension and how the earth element is key. So this is when, you know, Beth gets upgraded from wood to earth and that they plan to kill her, uh, which they never get around to in the movie, but I guess they do try later. So I'll let that go. Then they like suit back up in their like weird belt fetishy costumes to do another ritual and this is apparently a ritual to free Ronnie of her soul. I will say that the first ritual and this ritual, we're not really sure what point they have in the process of bringing this entity into the world. Like, they're trying to get rid of Ronnie's soul, but why are they preparing for her to be possessed? Because she seems to think that she's going to be in control. And then getting rid of her soul doesn't really change her in any way. Like... In this one scene, she has different coloured contacts in, but then she doesn't. She goes back to looking normal. Anywho, um, some smoke and cockroaches come out of Ronnie's mouth. Ew. Um, and then they invoke Ashura into this vessel and they talk about the upcoming eclipse and her eyes are white in this one scene and then go back to normal. We'll find out that Sophie apparently wants to bring her mother back from the dead. This comes out of fucking nowhere. One minute ago she was trying to call her on the other side and next she's trying to bring her back. Um, that's a pretty big leap. Uh, but there we go. Sophie chats up James and then Beth appears. Like she literally jumps into the scene from out of the scene uh, to apologise for what happened in the shower. I don't think an apology is enough. They cut off a lump of this bitch's hair. And she didn't even bring her a muffin. Or like a coffee to say sorry. Or a wig. Or some hair extensions. Um, she, she just turns up to say sorry. And, and then everything's fine. Beth and Sophie go to Sophie's room to talk about witch stuff. She says that her mum is dead. And Beth is like, oh, that's too bad. Bonding. Uh, she says that Sophie has been proven to be a descendant of the Coven, that they need her, and that they will be all-powerful when Ashura is brought back, because there's no downside to that whatsoever. And then Sophie's just like, oh, sure, I'll join your Coven and get in on this, because then I can bring my mum back from the dead, which is something that I just decided that I wanted to do yesterday. Then there's a sort of prog rock break, uh, and then we go back to the warehouse garage for the third part of the ritual, like the third ritual of three they kind of St. Trinian Sophie into her witch costume and then they brand a pentacle on her back like what they all have. Um, and she like joins them and she's wearing a teeny bit more eyeliner now. So she's one of the gang. They say like, may your magic turn against you if you break your oath to the coven, but nothing fucking comes of that. And then fucking Taylor's boyfriend Tristan, who's there for some reason, <laughs> is just like, let's get lit, yo. And it's like, Tristan, you're 32. Graduate college. Move home to Wisconsin. Get a job at the dairy farm. Your dad is disappointed in you, Tristan. To any listeners who are called Tristan, I'm very sorry for how uncomfortable you might be feeling right now. Anywho, we go back to Vision World. There was like a weird stutter on the DVD, which I had to take the plastic wrap off to play it. So I know it's not damaged, but it was literally like, next scene won't play, like a very jarring switch. So I'm, I don't know if it was badly edited or if there was an issue with the DVD, but it is what it is. Nothing really happens in Vision World, and then Sophie wakes up in bed at 5pm. 
uh, to a call from James, who is outside with strawberry lemonade at 5pm. Like, oh, I just, you know, we, we kissed that one time. We've had two conversations. I thought I'd come to your house with a beverage. Calm down, James. Uh, the witches turn up and mind wipe James and send him home and steal his lemonade. And then they go up to Sophie's room and, like, do some magic on her so she'll come out with them. Uh, coming out with them basically involves a slow walk to the car, like we're in the craft and it's that bit where they're walking across campus. And then they go out to the bar where the homophobe hangs out. I swear it's a different bar, though, but there we go. Um, and they, they magic him in the balls and call him an idiot and then at the last minute Sophie like mind wipes the bartender and is like this guy tried to rob you and you stopped him call the cops and so the guy like grabs the um homophobic guy and is like let's see how they like that asshole in jail meanwhile the guy who got magic in the balls just keeps saying right in my pecker god this is stupid <laughs> um so that's all they did and now it's night time uh, Ronnie then tells Beth to read a passage from the secret book that no one's allowed to look at while they're doing the ritual because Ronnie won't be able to read it once the ritual has started. She'll be, I guess, busy being possessed. But Beth is to read that one passage and nothing else. So it's obvious that there are secret things in this book. They all gather around Ronnie and they do the ritual, which is very similar to like soul removal ritual, but now there's more people there. And then um, Ashura like takes over her body and like floats up in the air in an admittedly very cool scene which is only slightly ruined by the like fire cannons going off in the background like i feel like you didn't need those her floating is creepy enough but there we go and taylor's all like oh my god we did it this is great i knew we could do it and ashura looks at her and goes you did this and then kills taylor with like spirit lightning why is she so mad? Did she not want to come back? It's never really explained why she kills Taylor. Like, if she needs to kill Taylor as part of the ritual to, like, absorb her powers, fine. But why is she saying, like, you did this? It makes no sense. Anyway, Beth and Sophie wisely decide to sprint away from all of this goings-on. And then they hide in the, like, alley behind the warehouse, just in lingerie in the middle of the night, which I kind of wish they'd had to sneak all the way back across town like that, but they do magic up some clothes, so we, we were spared that, like, hilarious hijinks. But they decide to bind Ashura again, like, they're just really, like, let's just do that, that's their first option. They don't decide to try anything else, they don't try and work out what's going on. They don't even have that moment where they think, like, oh, we got tricked big time. They're just like, oh no, we need to bind that shit. So they go to the witch shop to talk to Emily, after a little bit of knocking ideas back and forth, they decide that they need extra power to take on Ashura, so they'll absorb the power of uh, Sophie's dead mom. She's going to, like, take her powers, because you can just take power from someone who's already dead, um, and then fight Ashura. Except having, like, one other person's power isn't going to make up for, like, all of her power, but let's just say that it will. We get the mom! Flashback again. And then we go into like the little dream world where she and her mum are like hugging. Her mum's like, I'm going to give you my power. It's all great. Her mum is only like three years older than her in age, I swear. Like they're basically the same age, um, which is weird. Uh, and then they, once this is done and Sophie's eyes are glowing like bright blue, which Emily is just like, are you okay? Um, they discover that they need the diary of Helen to like get the spell to bind Ashura. So they do a spell to locate 
the diary which is obviously at the professor's house because she said that she had it earlier but I guess doing a spell is easier than just remembering conversations that you've had. We then cut to possibly my favourite part of the movie. I had to get a specialist in for this. So we cut to James. Uh, the evil witches need him as bait. Just like in the initiation of Sarah, they're like going to get James. And because he's had those two conversations with Sophie, she's going to risk life and limb to save him. But they go to his house and he's playing a game with this like weird thing. that's like a kind of laptop sized plastic tray with like a game like what looks like an xbox controller and a joystick molded onto it and i had to go and get my brother because i had never seen one of these before because it felt like one of those moments in films where someone's playing like an xbox game but they're playing it with a nintendo controller and you're like movie why um, anyway so he came in and said authoritatively that the game that james is playing is called of duty and that he's playing it with a controller thing that you mostly use for flight simulators so i feel like it would have been easier just to find a games controller as opposed to one of those things but that's stupid anyway the, the witches show up and they they kidnap james and uh, the other witches the good witches beth and sophie arrive at dr lynn's house but they open her door with like a gesture and then they and a word and go in but they just open and close the door at the magic shop with just a gesture and earlier sophie just did it with her mind so i'm really confused as to how magic is meant to work because it doesn't seem to be consistent when there are like four different ways to open a door and we've seen one person use all of them also if you've just gotten a lot of power which you need to go and find an evil witch maybe open doors by hand like if, if it's just like the shop door, which you know is already unlocked because you don't want you want to be wasting power on stupid stuff. Anywho, Dr. Lynn is very quickly on board. They read the diary and it says that Helen's aunt Aurora was possessed by Ashura and had to be bound slash destroyed. Which means that Ashura isn't like someone from 200 years ago who they're trying to bring back. She is from a previous time. Um... And it kind of goes unexplained as to where that is from, if they're descendants of the people from 200 years ago, or if they're descendants from further back, or if they're all descendants from everybody. So, like, they're descendants of both the people from 200 years ago, who are also descendants of people who originally knew Ashura. Unclear. Ashura is apparently a Muslim festival, by the way. I googled it because I was like, is this a demon or some real entity? And it, it was just like, do you mean the Muslim festival? And I was like, no. <laughs> but there we go. Um, Beth suddenly says she has a plan and they, she knows how they can defeat Ashura. It turns out her plan is do the ritual that we found. I don't think she gets credit for that plan. Um, but there we go. Uh, Jax and Ronnie and the kidnapped James arrive at the house. Jax just randomly high kicks James in the face and calls him a punk bitch. <laughs> I had a 20 minute laugh break. Um, they chase the good witches away. They get in a car with Dr. Lynn and drive off. And then Beth tries to explain her incredibly detailed plan of let's just do the ritual we found using algebra, which I didn't write down because I'm not a nerd. But then Dr. Lynn is like, we're history people. We don't do math. And I'm like, I'm fairly certain there's an intersection between math and history. Otherwise, how would you work out, you know, dates? But there we go. Uh, the car right in front of them blows up at an intersection. And they're like, oh, shit, the witches found us. That or terrorism. They get attacked by Ronnie and Jax, and Beth is like, leave us alone, you slutty witch. Uh, Beth 
decides to cast the spell from the journal while Sophie does like magic Jedi lightning with Ronnie and Dr. Loon smacks Jack's unconscious with a tire iron. So um, Jax doesn't even get defeated by witchcraft, she gets defeated by metallurgy. Uh, they need basically that the, the spell is a good person needs to die so that the bad person can be killed. You know, that whole balance shit. So Sophie tries, but because she's not actually willing to die, it doesn't work. And then Dr. Lin jumps into the lightning and is like, I'll sacrifice myself for you. Um, and it works. And Ronnie turns into smoke and blows away. So she's gone now. And <laughs> Dr. Lin collapses on the floor. And Sophie like grabs her like, don't leave me. I need you. Is her like actual line. For like what? They've had, like, two conversations. She's just a history professor. Does she need her to mark the midterm? A TA can do that. But oh well. Uh, James then wakes up and Sophie drops Dr. Lynn like a hot potato and goes rushing over to him because, you know, they kissed once and have had two conversations, so they're going to get married and have four kids now. The cops arrive because a car just blew up, so I get that someone may have called them, and they arrest Jax. But I don't know for what, because she didn't do anything illegal. Like, evil witchcraft, obviously, is not good. But she she didn't do a crime. They can't prove that she blew that car up. Like, nobody saw her do it, as far as I'm aware. And if they're arresting her for the murder right at the beginning, how do they know that she did it? And why isn't Beth arrested at the same time? Because she was definitely there, and definitely was part of it. So I'm confused as to why Jax was arrested, but she's arrested and taken to prison. And then Beth and Sophie and James go out for breakfast like they're friends now, when really Sophie showed no interest in Beth as a friend prospect and then only got in with her and her group to bring her mum back from the dead, which she just sort of forgets about doing, I guess, and then finds out that Beth was part of a plot to kill them all and had already witnessed the death of one innocent girl and not reported it to the police. But sure, let's go to IHOP, all is forgiven. So that's the movie. <laughs> um, like I said, I had a good time with this because it, like, on one hand, the music was great. It looked like a very witchy movie. They're like really cool witchy visuals. If, if I was like 12, I could see myself really loving this movie and thinking it was so cool and like, you know, having a lot of, of love for like the aesthetic of it. And it does remind me of watching like old episodes of Charmed and all that just kind of like badass witchery. And it's also hilarious because of mainly a lot of Jax's lines and just a lot of stuff going on and even like little moments where Emily goes, there's no time to waste. And then they sit around the table in the magic shop for a further 20 seconds of dead silence just looking at each other. It feels like bits of this were definitely intended to be stupidly funny. And if they weren't, that's unfortunate. But yeah, I would definitely I would definitely watch this one again with friends. I think this would be very fun to watch. Um, it had a plot that more or less made sense, even if it was not particularly like out there and original, and did have a few little kind of holes in it or things that weren't explained well. And the general production values of it were pretty good and didn't look too eye-wateringly bad. Like the, the special effects and the CGI and stuff looked like kind of mid seasons of charmed like not hugely like 90s and bad just kind of like yeah that's that's pretty fake looking but you know when someone throws a snake made of magic at you, you don't expect it to really look real do you so there we go 
it has my tentative recommendation and um if you go and watch it let me know what you thought of some of the hilarious lines that i did not include in my breakdown of the plot because there were way more than i put in if you have another movie to recommend if you know a lot about like the the movies that like high flyers are bringing out because there were like 29 trailers at the beginning of this dvd and a lot of them for for like haunted things or possessed children or just like those kind of general like categories of movie um if you if you know that they have anything else coming out or anything else that came out in like 2020 2021 because i'm looking at more recent things now do let me know drop the recommendations down below and in the meantime i will see you in the next episode bye which is not going to be easy because beth has the charisma of a traffic cone <laughs> <laughs>